Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full 40. It's Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. Coming to you from Kingston, New York, upstate New York. We're here. It's Saturday morning, Yep. the 19th of January. Our friend and friend of the pod is getting married today. So yep. that's why we're here. And we're recording here after another ho-hum victory over Xavier at home. In January, as usual. Just running up that Big East record, baby. And I, I have to say, for all our listeners, we are trying to do this podcast quickly. We're under the gun because, I kid you not, there is a psychic coming in That's to right. the residence in in Kingston, New York, for their afternoon Saturday session. Yes. What, what better reason to accelerate a podcast than to get it done under the wire here. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah there is. I mean, we're not kidding. There's literally there is, a psychic. They're, they're like, yeah, you can have this conference room. But you need to be done in an hour because the psychic's coming in. What's like, her name, Joan? <laughs> I don't know. Joan the psychic. Yeah. Like, what? Are, we, we should have her come on. We should have her as a guest. Joan the psychic does predictions. Yeah. What, what's going to happen? We're going to win. We're going to go undefeated. Well, um, yeah. We are. Him. We are going to win the national championship because the yes, broken hand bug. The is, broken hand. The broken hand bug is back. Should we start with that? Yeah. Let's start there. Oh my God. So. The big news yesterday wasn't a, another double-digit victory over Xavier. Yeah. It was Cole Swider broke his hand and is out, quote-unquote, indefinitely. Pause. Let me stop you right there. He's going to be out about four to six weeks. Wait a minute. At this point, though, we have a well-run system. Four to six weeks should be down to, like, two at this point. Like right. we, I, I feel like Villanova, maybe there's, like, a partnership with the nursing school or whatever where they're just accelerating and they're at the forefront of broken hand treatments at this point. Yeah. It's going to be, like, the calling card. Yeah. Oh, you want to learn about broken hands? Come to Villanova. Villanova became a national-ranked <laughs> institution because of its doctorate program, and leading the way was <laughs> – Hand stuff. Villanova, I don't know what it's called. Hands. We're, <laughs> what is a hand doctor? We're very science-based science here. Yeah. Villanova University, number one in broken hand treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, like, what is happening? What, what What does Jay do in practice? Here's my Hey, guess. guys, beat each other with your hands. Like, what the fuck is going on? Beat ass. <laughs> beat ass. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, no, but I, I think it's this. This is my guess. <laughs> Jay is known for a drill. Actually, Fran Fraschilla tweeted about it earlier this week. Uh, he's a basketball analyst at ESPN. said that Jay Wright has a thing where be the first man on the floor. And if you don't aren't the first guy on the floor, you... <laughs> we break your hand. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you come out. So, like, anytime there's a loose ball, dive on the ball. So my guess is that our guys are diving all over loose balls in practice... And occasionally, like, you dive, you reach out for your hand. Yeah. And you probably – that I'm guessing that's how most of it happens. We know that one of them – I think it was – was it Samuels last year? That was Bro- in the game. Broke it in game. Right. But I think Gillespie, I think, and um, – Phil. And Phil. And Slater broke his hand last year. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's and right. Josh Hart broke his hand last year. Yes. Yeah. Super weird. I think it has to do with that. That's my guess. My hypothesis is that there's actually this big hazing thing that goes on, and they just beat your hand to a pulp for a while to weaken you down. It's like, oh, you didn't break your hand. You're not really part of the team. 
<laughs> Jay was like, people are complaining about my minutes allocations. <laughs> yeah. Let's see who complain about this. That's, that's why, actually, Spellman didn't play his first year. is because he refused to break his hand. That's right. So they sat him out. They just retro him. like, fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> Have a seat on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jay called um, What's-His-Face from the NCAA and said, look, I need you to put an academic (laughs) issue together for this. Oliver Luck. Yeah. God, he sucks. So, I mean, clearly, we're going to be the 2019 national champion. Oh, I bought my tickets. After I heard that, Cole Swider broke in. Yeah, where is it? Minneapolis? Is it Minneapolis this year? I think that's right. Yeah, Yeah. somewhere cold. It's somewhere cold that begins with an M up north. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where the Final Four is going to be. And we're going now. On the last podcast, you say, don't expect this team to be a Final Four team. Broken hand this week. Things change. Things change. Yes. In an instant. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about so it. So let's go. Yeah. So now Cole Swider is going to come back, like, in two weeks at this point and probably just go off and become an integral part of this team because that's what the other guys do, yeah. too. Well, Weird thing, though. <laughs> Jay put Slater in at the end of the game. Oh, God. I thought it was a redshirt. I just... I, I don't, don't get it. I don't, I don't get, get it, it anymore. I don't... I don't... I don't get it anymore. I, so clearly it's gone now. I'm pretty sure... I don't even know the rules... No one knows the rules with Red Shirt. The there are no rules. They make them up. There's no rules. There's no rules. Yeah. If you know the rules or if you want to assert that you know the rules, reach out to us. Let us know what the rules yeah. are. Yeah. We'll was give, we'll was give you Slater barred from— we'll give, you, we'll give you a T-shirt. How about yeah. that one? Yeah. <laughs> that promise before. We'll give you a T-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider. <laughs> yeah. Still waiting. Still waiting. We're still waiting on Nova Insider. Let's blame Nova Insider. It's I like Nova this. Insider's fault. Yes. That's right. Good. Nova Insider said that they were going— to do a t-shirt with us and we asked them to come up with a design because the two designs or the four designs that Rob and I came up with were horrible. Yeah, let's call it what it is. You came up with one. I was like, this is atrocious. Let me come up with one. You're like, that's atrocious. (laughs) So mutually, we think we're both horrible designers. So we did what any good American would do and passed off the responsibility Uh, to someone else. And now they haven't come through and we're going to blame them. What What is the reason to have a partner if not to blame them. Correct. That's, I think that's why you go out and you work with somebody. So you can right. say, no, that's your fault. Right. That one's on you. <laughs> that's right. So Nova Insider, if you're listening. This one's on you. This one's on you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> womp womp. Where's our t-shirt? Um, so so we talked about the broken hand. Should we talk a little bit about, uh, we started in on kind of the minutes allocation, which kind of leads us to the game, the forgettable game that we had yesterday. Yeah, so let's actually start with the point that it's forgettable. Yeah. Other than the fact that we're going to put a podcast together that'll put a, that'll be like a a historical record of our thoughts on this game, I am going to forget about this game by the end of the season. Totally. And every year there are games that are just point blank forgettable. You probably remember, last year you played 40 games. I'm sure that most Avid fans probably can remember a couple of things from, I'll say, 25 to 30 of them. All the tournament games, right? Sure. NCAA and Big East. Yeah. Right? But then, and then certain big non-conference tilts, like Gonzaga and like all of that. Yeah, yeah. And then there's other games where you remember some big things, like the games against Seton Hall, um, and then uh, and Xavier was a blowout, and then as always, yeah, in both games, and so you remember stuff like that. Booth broke his hand in the, in, I think the Providence game, or one See, of the, I don't, one I don't of the even games. remember that. Yeah, but but my point is that there are games every year. I would say roughly five to ten that are just oh they happened. Oh, yeah. we played that team. Right. Oh, cool. 
It really has no significance on right. a long-term impact, yeah. long-term season. Last night was a pretty good crowd at Wells Fargo Center. Showed up to see a game that by the end of the year they're going to fucking forget. Absolutely. It's funny we were talking about this before, and I was like, uh, in my head, I was like, oh no, like I remember every game, and then I started thinking, I was like, shit, we didn't even start the podcast until like mid-February last year. At which point, at that point, you're so late in the season that kind of every game matters. And that's why I felt like I remembered more of the games. But I was like, oh, no, I actually don't remember most of those early January and certainly not before right. January games. Yeah, well, you're like, going to you're gonna lose. You remember the losses because they're more f- infrequent. Right. So, like, you can name the losses last year. Similarly, you can name the losses this year. Yeah. But like wins, some of these wins are just like, all right, whatever. Yeah. We'll move on. You took it, you showed up, you took care of business, you got the win, and you move on. Yeah. Yeah. It was Did we, did we even too. play last night? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm really not sure. Yeah. Chris Mack wasn't there, so yeah. it's just unfortunate. That's but. right. That's right. So it wasn't the normal Xavier beatdown, although it the got annual ass kicking the is annual Chris Mack ass refers kicking. to it. It wasn't the normal annual ass kicking. There were moments that it could have turned into that. Yes, it and, should have. And then there were moments that we played like garbage and let them get way closer than it should have been. But there was never a point in that game yesterday where I thought to myself, we might not win this game. I agree. Yeah. Which we were <laughs> – let's, let's talk about this. So we were obviously in Kingston. Um, yeah. We watched it. We got to watch the game in this really random sports bar. The Corner Bar and Grill. The Corner Bar and Grill, which I will say, shout out to the Corner Bar and Grill and whoever our waitress was, she was phenomenal. Yeah, like very friendly staff. Super friendly. But we walked in with like seven of us and it was one of those, it was like a scene out of a movie. You walk in and all the Record heads... Record scratch. Yeah, all the heads turn towards you. I think the average age of the bar was probably like 65 when we walked in and we are like, oh, yeah, we have seven, like... We'll take basically the entire center of the bar. And can you turn on half of, literally half of your TVs? And they did. To the villain. And they did. No questions they asked. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's bring it back. So we watched the game. And yes, it was never in doubt. No, never, never in doubt. doubt. You never had the sense that, yeah, they got close a couple of times. But it was mostly because it was, it was mostly frustrating because you're just like, we should be kicking this team's ass. Xavier's not good. I don't think that they're good. No, they're, they're really not good. I mean, look, it's a down year for them, and I will say they've played pretty well under first-year coach Travis Steele. <laughs> the best, the best coaching name, say it. The best coaching name in, in college basketball, yeah. for sure. Yeah. They've played pretty well under him, but, yeah, they're, they're not a great team. I mean, at this point now, they've got eight losses already. They're 3-3 three and three in conference, which we'll get to the conference breakdown a little yeah. bit later, but they're just in the mess of what we'll call the rest of the Big East, basically. Yes, um, so yeah, it should have been, we should have won by more. I was not impressed with them in the slightest. And they have a lot of returning players from last so year. I, I understand that like Blewett's gone and Makura is gone. And there's like, one or two other pieces that are no longer there. And Chris Mack, who's doing a pretty fine job actually already at Louisville, is, is, is gone. But there's still a good amount returning from a team that won yeah, the regular wait, season wait, in the conference but wait, but wait, last year. Wait, wait, wait. But what you just said is, Trevon Blue is gone, who's arguably like one of, if not their best players in program history. Yeah, I get and it. And Chris Mack is gone. Like, think about this, right? This I think be- the bigger loss is Makura. I honestly do. And I don't like Makura. never liked Makura. But no. I think the bigger loss is Makura than Blue. He's a great – he was a great guy in terms of he made a lot of, like, hustle, kind of dirty plays. And, frankly, he could do a lot of stuff and did a lot of stuff through his seven years he was on campus. Right. Like, I mean, because the guy was there. And he was a ghost, so he kind of, like – 
transported in and out of, <laughs> like, teleporting across the court. Never knew where he was. Yeah. He was so pasty. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, look, you, you can't downplay those losses. This is, this is like when... People are probably like, oh, well, Villanova only lost a few people. No, 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 no. We lost a lot of people. They lost the heart and soul of their team and their coach. This is a straight-up rebuilding year. I get that it's a straight-up rebuilding year. I just didn't expect Xavier to have eight losses at this time already. Yeah, that's fine. In any case, it was kind of weird to me. I don't know why they didn't dump it into Hankins more. That dude was killing us. And he did the awkward raise the roof. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, no, the whole thing. Yeah, screw screw Xavier. We'll probably go to the Xavier game this year. Yes. Shouts to friends of the pod, Walter Smith Randolph, Walter Reports, who is <laughs> who is out in Cincinnati, Ohio, doing the news. And we might visit him. Yes. Have I'm, him on the podcast. Well, that would be that would be crazy. Yeah. And he'll show us how to actually, you know, do reporting and stuff. <laughs> well, we're not we're not real reporters. Yeah. All right. So let, let's get to some other takeaways from the game. So it was a forgettable game, obviously. This was a a Phil Booth Con Gillespie show. Oh, yeah. They were in fuego from deep. Like, absolutely. I think they were 11 of 19 combined. You're correct, yeah. From deep. They were terrific. And the best part, the thing I loved was Gillespie's shots were exactly kind of, I think what we talked a little bit about last time, what we want to see more of where he's able to catch and shoot. When he catches the ball in rhythm. Yeah. With his feet organized, he's, he's hitting most of those shots. He's actually like... Unless he's got a defender draped all over him, which he usually doesn't make a, he usually doesn't take like contested shots. Yeah, like Phil Booth does that and makes all of them. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Phil Booth just James Harden's all over. Everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but Colin makes shots when when that ball comes to him straight on. Yeah, he's he uh, he's excellent with that. And when you get him off the ball, he is so much better. Yeah, I mean that was his role last year, right? He was he was the spot up shooter. Hey, he benefits from the offense working. He's able to catch it and, like you said, shoot it in rhythm. We're starting to get him more of those looks right now, and obviously it worked. Colin Gillespie is everything, and more than I thought Joe Cremo would have been when he came in. And I guess we got to talk about Cremo again. So let's start with the fact that. That Joe Joe Cremo played 23 minutes last week. I can't. That's I can't with that absolute, minutes it's allocation. A, it's a travesty. I can't it with is the a minutes travesty. allocation. It's a travesty. Yes. I can't with that. It's, it's just, it's just. look, you got to keep Joe in the game. I get that, right? You're now down to an eight-man rotation, which is actually, ironically, where Jay wants to be, right? For at least probably four to six weeks. <laughs> but I get the, he's got to play like, he's got to play at least 10 minutes a game. Fine. I get that. 23 is a ridiculous allocation. What was Quinterly's allocation? Wait, why don't you guess? Guess what Quinterly's allocation Five? Was? Four. Ridiculous. He played four minutes. Ridiculous. I, here, here's, my, here's my thing, right? Cremo Con- is not 19 minutes better than Javon Quinterly. No. Right now, Cremo is adding nothing. He was terrible. He was Charles Barkley terrible. Yeah. Like, he's adding nothing right now. Right. And I know I got into some arguments on Twitter last night. I was, like, getting into it with people on Twitter because I was like, he's not – he doesn't deserve, like, all this time comparatively to Javon. And they're like, well, he's ten times the better defender that Javon is. No, he's not. No. No, he's not. Javon, How Joe many blown assignments did he miss last night? It was all the time. crazy. I acknowledge that Quinterly is not good at the switching defense and misses assignments all the time. I get that. But I could get that with Quinterly and – he adds more offensively than Cremo does. 
You can just see it from a mindset perspective at this point. Cremo, as you and I have talked about, Cremo is playing with a mindset of deferring, deferring, deferring. Quinterly... He defers. He defers, but he still has an attacking mindset. He's like, oh, you can tell he's always searching. Like, he's trying to feel stuff out when he's on the court, and he wants to make a difference. Cremo, I feel like, is just out there being like, hey, I'm here. Yeah. I'm chilling. Yeah. If if a shot comes to me, maybe I'll take it. Am I having this argument, or am I having this conversation if you take not even 10 minutes and 10 minutes and give them that way it's like Quinterly actually plays more than Cremo? Yeah. I'm wondering if I even have this conversation with you if Cremo gets five minutes less and Quinterly gets five minutes more. I don't know if I am. Probably not. But the fact that Quinterly is under 10 minutes a game is crazy talk. Like, we've gotten to the point. I was so excited. We talked about it last time. We were so excited that Quinterly was clearly worked into the rotation. He's got his spot. He has a role. He's proven himself. He's a net positive. And now we go back to four? Like, what is the swings in minute allocation are crazy. And it's one thing if he got a DNP, because a lot of times when Jay Wright gives a DNP, that means that there was some team issue that... He doesn't feel like talking to the media about, and he doesn't have to, and so be it, and I trust Jay, and Jay can yeah. do that. But he played him. Yeah, he played him. He played him in the first half, and it wasn't actually, it wasn't even like, oh, Colin got in foul trouble, so I have to put him in. He came in, I don't know, it was like midway through the first half right. or something like that. Right. And I was like, oh, good, he, he's gotten worked back in. And then just disappeared. Right. Yeah, he played for a couple of minutes then, and then, yeah, how he got to four was that he played an extra minute at the, he at got the, the garbage, garbage time. time. Absolute insanity. He played as much as Slater did in the last minute. I just don't. Uh, yeah, and then the Slater thing. Uh, I just I don't understand. So here's what, <laughs> we'll point this out. One thing I do love about Slater. It's a little off topic. Slater shows up, and every single game, he is sitting there without his warm-ups on, as if he's going to get, like, he's the next guy off the bench. Right. Which I love his attitude. He's clearly, like, bought in. He's like, whatever you want, coach. Like, I'm here. Like, definitely seems like a great attitude, kid. <laughs> but he's like, I'm ready to go in. I'm like... Kid, you're you're not coming in. <laughs> it's not happening. You can, you can put your warm ups back on, dude. Right. Um, right. But anyway, it's just but a there's off actually some people on like just from being on Twitter. There's some people who think that Slater should play a lot more. That he could bring a lot more. He's tall. He's he, so tall. Yeah, he's tall. He could bring maybe he can bring some energy off the bench defensively. He seems like he's a high energy guy. I mean, he's probably bring more than Cremo at this point. Yeah. I, I just I'm absolutely baffled. He, he's ma- he made some bad turnovers. He missed he missed assignments. Like, they were wide-open threes. And I get it. We should have been leaving them open for threes because they couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. Right. And they're not a good three-point shooting team. So the scout was probably jam in on the inside and collect rebounds because they are a good rebounding team. Yeah. That said. That said, you don't leave them wide open. Yeah. and, and You just challenge them to hit a contested three. And somebody could could shoot back and be like, oh, look, Cremo made a shot last night. Yes, he did make one three-pointer. He was Finally. one for five. Finally, he made a three-pointer. And it was the only shot that he took. Sorry, he took two shots yesterday where I, where I, where he took it, and I said to myself, "Oh, he looked like he thought he was going to make that shot." All oh, the other yeah. shots that he take and has taken of late, he looks like almost like ah, I'm open. I got to shoot this. Yeah, it's like it's like a burden. Yeah, like no, this is why we brought you here. Yeah, to shoot the ball. Right, and I, so I look, like the I like the point you made the other night too, where it was like. The difference between, like, shooters, if you are a shooter, right? And J.J. Redick did a great podcast on this. Um, I, think it, he, I think he did it with Ray Allen, I want to say. Um, and he's basically like, you have to have that confidence, and you have to believe that every time you're shooting, it's going in. 
you talk about obviously Jenkins post national championship. He said and he has that mindset of every time I shoot it, I think it's going in. Right. Cremo doesn't look like he thinks that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Jenkins was like, oh, you know it's going up. Even I'm sure even second half senior year, he's like, ah, fuck it, this is going in. <laughs> like, yeah. We're like, nah, dude, it's it's not going yeah, in. Yeah. Jenkins senior in year still thought every shot was going in, <laughs> yeah. and unfortunately, it was not. <laughs> yeah, his haircut looked great, but the shot. Yeah, not he so looked much. felt. Yeah, he haircut did. looked great. Oh, gosh. shots didn't. KJ but, baby, love you to death. Yeah. So look, I still like I got some crap for this from some feedback on this from the last podcast that we went too easy on Cremo. Versus where we were on Twitter. And I get that. I'm not... I, I still like the fact that he's on the team. I still like wait, Joe. Wait, wait, wait. I still Let- want him to succeed. The whole nine yards. It's nothing to do with any of that. It's nothing personal, etc. It's just... It's the comparative minutes allocation that I have an issue with. That's me. You might have a different... Thing, Rob. Yeah, I'll go. A little, I'll go a little harsher right now. I, I think we also, to be honest, we try to balance and not like attack the guys too much because, like, at the end of the day, we're rooting for their success, whatever it is. That said, yeah, he he looks he looks crap right now. Yeah, somebody else should be playing over him. Can we talk one one, one quick thing before we move on to the next topic? Um, really interesting. It seems to be that Samuels is getting the start now over Dada. Yes, and I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I'm okay with I'm that. I'm fine with that, but I do I like Jay's allocation of minutes to Dada yesterday because Dada was clearly in the flow of the game and he got rewarded for that allocation because Xavier did not know how to guard a pick and roll and to save their life. Dada, as always, did a great job around the rim. Yes, did, did a, great, a great job around great the rim. He was five for five. He was five for five. Yeah, yeah he had and, eleven and six. Yeah, and and you did see the difference, like. He knows how to be in position around the hoop and rebound differently than Samuels does. They play different roles, for sure. Like, Samuels' role when he's on the court is, yeah, like, pick up some boards, space the floor, and be willing to shoot it when it comes to you. Right. Like, don't dribble the ball. Please don't dribble the ball. Oh, my God. That one, <laughs> that one over and back turnover was yesterday not, was horrible. Yeah, it was, it was not great. It's not great. But look, look, I like the approach. It gives you more flexibility. It spaces the floor with Samuels there. He is willing and ready to shoot it when it comes to him at the three-point line, which even yesterday, Dada got the ball at the three-point line, and my reaction, I said it out loud, I was like, shoot it, put it up. He was like, no, 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 I guess not. It's not happening. Um, So, yeah, I I do – I'm pretty excited about if Samuels gets more comfortable in that role. I do want to see some some Dada worked in there. He should be playing at least 15 minutes a game to kind of – because – he does provide that nice interior presence. Presence. I don't know. I guess that's probably it for the game. Um, yeah. Well, one thing is one piece of homework. Yeah. The Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. Ooh, yes, absolutely. Right. And the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week, my nomination is Jermaine Samuels' dunk from the Crane <laughs> game. There, yesterday was so forgettable. There wasn't like yeah, – Pascal had a couple big big man boards yeah. and like a couple N1s that were cool. But there was no like – Man play of the week. Yeah, we yeah. did, we did and miss so it. So I think Jermaine Samuels gets another nod <laughs> yeah. for the monster he retain, throwdown. He retains the title. I like that. I that's, think that's good. That's how it's going to go. I think, I it's think good. that that's it. And then the only other forgettable thing from the game last night was the team wants to forget how poorly they shot the free throw. Oh. Yeah, real horrible. And Xavier wants to forget it maybe even worse. The start of the game, collectively, the two teams were, I think, one, one for ten. One for one for eleven. One for eleven. God, yeah. horrible. <laughs> I've never seen two teams shoot that poorly before. Especially not Big East teams, which are normally actually Big East teams are actually pretty on the higher end in terms of conferences that shoot the ball well on the free throw line. Yeah. All right. right, that's it. We're gonna take a one minute break. Hear from Nova Insider, and then we'll be back. Cool. 
Hello everyone, it's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Just want to give a special shout out to our official podcast partner, which is Nova Insider. Check out their website, novainsider1985.com. They got some awesome gear. Also look out, we're going to do a special collaboration with them for a Full 40 podcast t-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider. Look out for them. They got a lot of awesome stuff coming down the pike in the very near future. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. And as always, let's go Nova. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Full 40, Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And let's start with the heart monitor. Yeah. Because we got to talk about the main subject of the Heart Monitor, Mr. Josh Hart, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And I think he's back. Had some back spasm issues. Yeah. Been battling with a little bit of being banged up. Uh, and let's be honest, the Lakers had some LeBron James issues too. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers have a lot of LeBron James issues. They're I, terrible. That, that, that they're, he's not there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I watched a good portion of the Lakers-Thunder game, which was at OKC, Yeah, which is a game that everyone expected the Thunder to win, especially because the Lakers were without LeBron. And the Lakers played really gritty, and at the center of the grittiness, right? He wasn't the highest scorer. He's not going to be a team's leading scorer. But at the center of the grittiness, the, the winning, tough-minded basketball plays that don't necessarily show up in the box score was Villanova alum, and my personal favorite player ever, Mr. Josh Hart. Okay. And Luke Walton said it after the game. He was like, we don't win. We don't even come close to winning that game if it's not for Josh's toughness and, and winning mindset and making all the little plays and all the garbage plays. Luke Walton was gushing yeah. about – Luke Walton's the Lakers head coach, for those who don't watch much of the NBA – um, gushing about Josh Hart's performance. And to boot, it's not like he didn't have anything that showed up in the box. He also had a double-double. I was going to say, his box score is really good. Yeah, he had 12, 10, 5 assists, and 3 steals. That's a pretty yeah. damn good box score. Yeah. box score. Yeah, yeah, no. Definitely had a good box score. It's just all the other stuff that really made the difference in the game. Yeah. And I think he was deed up on Westbrook for he, the season, He right? pretty much was guarding... Westbrook and Westbrook, I think, had a triple double. But, but <laughs> it was a quiet triple double. <laughs> it was as quiet of a triple double as Westbrook will have. Yeah. Right. And he got burnt. I remember once he got burnt by um, Russell Westbrook because he sagged off him because Westbrook hasn't been shooting the three well at all this yeah. year. So he sagged off of him and let him shoot it, and he hit it. And that, but that was like a defensive, like intentional thing. But but there's also a difference too. Like when you're one-on-one versus one of the best players in the world, because Russell Westbrook is, you are going to get beat from time to time. It's just a matter of limiting the times that you do right. and, and he, making him make different choices. And he absolutely contained Westbrook. He yeah. definitely frustrated Westbrook. And Westbrook is also a tremendous athlete. And that dude is so fit. Yeah. He is. <laughs> he must yeah. have gone to Shaq Fit program. For so, sure. yeah. So, I just got to gush about that game because Josh was absolutely a revelation in that game, and it was terrific. And he shows why he's earning an NBA paycheck and sometimes gets starter, um, gets to start, and and oftentimes gets at least starters minutes. Yeah, and I mean, look that that those type of plays and those characteristics are what got him the minutes, got him into the rotation last uh, towards the end of last year. That's what got him 
you know, to really accelerate and get a lot more minutes at the start of the year. He's obviously been in a slump, so it was great to see him, which part of it probably attributable to a bit of his injury, but it's great to see him coming back. And hopefully once they get LeBron back and he gets a little bit more comfortable with this, then yeah. Going, on, going around the league, just in some of the other NBA guys that yeah. Villanova has, Spellman's back in the league. He was out for oh. being he was out for being fat. For being fat, that was a great article, by the way. And yeah. I actually love Omari's I mean, didn't love what that happened, but I loved his attitude. Yeah, he his was candor. Yeah. 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 He was just like <laughs> they were asking him, they're like, Yeah, you know, like, why'd you go down to G League? And he was like, I was fat. Yeah, I got fat. He was like, so it was, he got real fat, evidently. He said he got up to, like, or the article said he got up to, like, 290. His plane weight is listed at 245. Yeah. That is I don't, a big I, difference. I don't understand how that could happen. How much do you have to be eating? A shit ton. He's when a large man, too. NBA player. Yeah. Like, he was playing, like, 20 minutes a game. Yeah. How do you, <laughs> you don't understand? I don't, I don't either. I mean, he did have the hip injury a little bit, so that could have slowed down. It obviously slows down the playing times. It, limits how much you can do from a, a conditioning fair, perspective fair. but yeah you got to be eating a shit ton of food right like just non absolute like, garbage food too. yes that's very true right. but i mean it's the same thing right look if you're if you put yourself in his shoes right you're a a what 22 year old kid who now has a boatload of money has basically a ton of free time they don't monitor your food intake in the NBA like they do in college, right? But you're a professional. You're so a professional. You're expected to Absolutely. be a professional. Absolutely. Like Jay and Shaq aren't giving you, here's what you need to eat, and I'm going to beat your ass if you don't. Beat ass. I'm going to beat ass if you don't. <laughs> Le- LeBron James, for example, says he spends like a million dollars a year yeah. just keeping his body in, in shape. And, and what Omari said was, I, I really love, like, there's so many things I love about Omari. His attitude is is probably the biggest thing. He was like, I need to learn what, it, and I needed to learn what it meant to be a professional. Right. And this is a big part of it. And I love that. I was like, that's a great way to put it. But, you know, I, I hope, and he's I think he's already down 20 pounds or something like that. He's already lost a ton of weight. <laughs> so he basically yeah. just stopped eating for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> he's already down a ton of weight, and his playing is getting a lot better as a result. And, and, they, and they're happy with him. Yeah. No, I, I mean, look, he's definitely in the Hawks' plan for sure. I think as his conditioning continues to improve, hopefully the minutes go up. But, yeah, look, he's he's been worked back from the G League a little bit. I think he's still bouncing back and yeah. forth a little bit. But Bridges yeah. leads – I don't have much to say about Mikhail. He's still not shooting the ball great. But Bridges leads the uh, rookies, NBA rookies, in steals. Yeah. He's, so yeah. that's a note. Great. So let's talk about – we touched on it last time, Brunson. Um so we mentioned that Brunson is going to have an opportunity because J.J. Berea, who was uh, the effectively the Mavs' backup point guard, went down for the season with a torn Achilles, which we're like, oh, that's great. More playing time for Jalen. New development for the Mavs trade. is that potential trade yeah. for, so evidently Dennis Smith Jr., who was also a point guard, was their first-round draft pick last year, was actually very good, um, Evidently hasn't really clicked as much with Rick Carlisle, their coach this year, and is kind of upset about his playing time. So now there's talk about, is he going to get traded? If he gets traded, now Brunson's playing time is just kind of going to go through the roof. So we'll monitor that. In any case, Jalen's minutes hopefully going to go up. I mean, he's been playing pretty well this year overall. So look, things are clicking for Jalen. Yep. Love it. Shocker. Good for good for Jalen. And then I think we got to remind everyone to vote for Kyle Lowry. Oh, yeah. We, always, we always skip over literally the best Villanova alum in the NBA. 
Because he's so easy good. Because he's just like a perennial all star, gold medalist, the whole nine yards. Yeah. It's easy to forget. Kind of Kyle is now. Ka. Yeah. Ka. Ka. So remember to vote for him for the NBA All Star game. Yes. All right. I think it's enough heart monitor. I think so. Yeah. I think we got to go and talk about Big East in general and then our upcoming schedule. Perfect. So the long and short of the Big East right now is that it's Villanova and Marquette and literally everyone else. It's There's crazy. still no bottom. Like Providence and Creighton are, I think, like are like a combined two and seven, which is bad. Yeah. But I don't think anyone goes into Providence or Creighton and thinks that they're getting an easy matchup. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, so we've already happened to have those away games versus them. But they're not the bottom of the conference. DePaul, by Ken Palm rankings, is still the worst team in the conference. But they just had a win over Seton Hall, and they beat St. John's. So Seton Hall and St. John's are probably or at least going to be bubble-slash-tournament teams. So DePaul's probably not the worst team in the conference. So there isn't really a – there's a team that's going to come in last. I don't think that there's a worse team in the conference this year. Yeah, and we've talked about the bottom before. The weird thing to me is the the separation that's already happening. The right. fact that you have us at 5-0, and Marquette at 4-1, and and then you've got Xavier, St. John's, and Seton Hall – all with three losses in conference already. Right. We're five, six games, depending on the team, into conference play, and we already have a three-game lead on the third and were and less teams, right? Marquette's four and one, but third third place and lower. We have a three-game lead on the next closest on that on the next closest team. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah. I think that we I think this is what we got we gotta talk about this a little bit. I think that we've had a benefit and I don't think anyone really talking about this right now. I think we've had some benefit from just like the structure of the Big East schedule this year. Yeah. In that our January Big East schedule is favorable. And then getting into February and those early games, those early regular season games in March are much more difficult. Yeah. And I feel like it's different than in years past. It, it always seemed that we started kind of running through the gauntlet. Like, we'd be playing Xavier, or we'd be playing whoever the other top team was. Yeah, at least on paper. It, it, it seemed like it, yeah. right? Like, oh yeah, like, just rack up all these tough games to start, which was brutal. And yeah, this year, we haven't played Marquette yet. We haven't played Seton Hall yet. We're playing Seton Hall this week, which yeah. should be interesting. So yeah, there are a couple... But look at the games in February and March. You, got, you have to play at Seton Hall, which I think is the last game of the season. You got... I mean, at Xavier, which they're not good, but like at Marquette, at St. John's. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. Um, and and you have at Georgetown and 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 all that. So, yeah, it's gonna be one of those weird things where we'll get a look, we'll find out a lot more about this team come February. But I'm actually happy about it because this team is still very much a work in progress, and so. It's actually kind of good that we kind of get some of these easier wins so we could build a, a win total earlier on in the conference play. And then after improving, we can hopefully take down the rest of the Big East. And I think we can win the Big East going away this year. Yeah, I, I think so too. Okay, that's probably enough on Big East, right? Yeah, that's enough on Big East. I think we should probably talk just quickly about the week ahead. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big week. Huge. Yeah. So at Butler... At Hinkle Fieldhouse. Just brutal. Which, always tough. Always tough. Butler is in a down year, although they did just get um, 
their transfer? Is it a transfer or is it a decommitment? I forget how. No, it was a transfer. So you're referring to Jordan Tucker, who was like a top 60 recruit out of the class of 2017. So he actually committed and started his college career with Duke last year. But as expected, top like 50 or 60 recruits don't really get that much playing time at Duke when they're recruiting the top three and four guys in a class each year. So he basically got no playing time and transferred kind of at the end of first semester last year. So he became eligible like mid-December for Butler and has actually, his minutes have kind of skyrocketed. They eased him in. He's now playing 25, 30 minutes a game for them. And look, there was a reason he was a top 60 recruit out of high school. He's good. He's starting to score a lot and definitely contributing a good bit more to their offense and gives them a lot more than Baldwin and that fucker Jorgensen last year. Good God. Oh, God. Um, But, yeah, look, playing in Hinkle is always a tough environment. Butler is always riled up, and that team is going to be ready to play us for sure. So, I mean, I think the guys you got to watch out for, Kamar Baldwin is a great talent, period. Tucker, we were just talking about. Yeah, Kamar Baldwin is one of the better players in the Big East. Yeah, absolutely. 17 right. points a game, five, re- five, six rebounds a game. Like, he is he is solid. Tucker's waiting for a coming out party, starting to get integrated and all that. Yeah. Jorgensen can always get hot from deep. Yes. He can get, he got so, I mean, they just, that was that game last year. They just kind of dumped on us. Yeah. But, like, he got super hot in that game. So, he's a senior. He's seen us before. He knows what he can do. Like, He'll pick his spots, and he's he's a guy, I think, of all their players, I think he's the guy that, that worries me the most. Yeah. It's a winnable game. Absolutely. It's also a losable game. <laughs> yeah. Ken Palm predicts that we're going to win. Oh, uh, no. Ken Palm predicts that we're going to lose, sorry, by two points. That's so interesting. That, what that means is it's almost a wash. That on a neutral court, we'd be winning, and in a, and in a home environment, we'd be winning by a lot. So... Uh, yeah, I think that this is going to be a coin flip game. I think it's winnable. I just don't think that Butler is the same Butler from past years, um, where I thought going into them, like they're like a borderline maybe bubble team type of team this year. Whereas in the in, a, in the last couple of years, they've been a little bit higher than that. And obviously, we've been really good, but we don't come in with the same cachet that we've come in in the past either. So it's not like they feel like they're playing the best team in the Big East well, either. It's, it's interesting too. If you look at if you look at their record, you'd say, "Oh, they're 11 and 7. They're not that good." A lot of their losses are very close losses. They had yes. they lost to Xavier recently by one, which I believe was just a big comeback for Xavier. So kind of a collapse down the down the stretch for It was Butler. at it was at Xavier too. Yeah. Um, they lost to Seton Hall also by one. So that's that's really tough. They lost to Indiana, which is a great Big 10 team. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of them, Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) They lost to Indiana back in December by three. So that's another tough loss for sure. Um, So they've got a number of close losses that could have, and arguably some of them should have gone their way. Granted, they do have some bad losses too. They lost like by 30 to Florida, but hey, we've got some bad losses too. So bottom line is, don't look at their record as necessarily an indication of how you expect this game to go. This is going to be tight. It's a tough environment. We could easily come out with a loss. Absolutely. What's, what's your prediction, by the way? I think we're going to win by five. I like that. Um, I don't think it's going to be five. I think it's going to be like two. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's going right to be, I think it's gonna be super tight. Yeah. Right down to the wire. Come down to last shot, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. I think we're going to seal the win with about a minute to 45 seconds. I think it's going to be a free throw battle. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Seton Hall? 
Uh, yeah, Seton Hall. So we're playing Seton Hall next Sunday. I'm going. Um, got a big family nice. outing coming. Love it. Bringing there's another Chris Bellotti in this world, and he's my <laughs> uncle, and he's a Villanova grad. That's unfortunate. And I'm bringing his entire family as a Christmas gift. Uh, his a, wife also went to Villanova. That's a great Christmas gift. And my uncle is a friend of the pod. Love it. So shouts to Uncle Chris. Hey, Chris. <laughs> and um, and we're going to go down and watch the Seton Hall game at the Wells Fargo Center. So this is another losable game that I think we're going to win. I think we're going to go 2-0. I think we're going to beat Seton Hall by like 8 at home. I think it's going to be a raucous environment. I think there's going to be a lot of Seton Hall fans there. But I think it's going to be a real fun environment. I think it's going to be tight for a lot of the game. And then I think we're going to start to pull away late. And we're going to win by about 8. Uh, Seton Hall, the man you need to know. Miles, Miles Powell. Powell. That's it. He's very good. He averages 22 points a game. Yeah. That's that's pretty With impressive. our luck, by the way, he won't play in that game. Because <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Every time we predict and tell you about a player that you got to watch out for. Yeah, they just like, don't play. Pookie Powell. <laughs> Pookie Powell. Yeah. Oh, my God. Good old Pookie. A lot of Powells. A lot of Powells. That's yeah. interesting. So, Miles Powell has been absolutely electric. Yeah. Um, for Seton Hall this year. And it's a big reason why Seton Hall is looking like a tournament team. And they have some real great wins. They do have they some have good win wins. They win over Kentucky. Yep. Um, they have win over... Um, Maryland. Maryland. Is there, who is That win is just improving every time Maryland plays. Because Maryland's playing awesome of yeah. late. Um, and they beat St. John's. So that's three, that's three teams. Like when you look at a tournament resume, those are three like good wins that will get them a lot of credit come tournament time. And, yeah, they're probably on the should-be-in type category, work left to do since it's still January, still a lot of time left. But they're off the bubble right now, similar to, like, how we are. Mm. They have a couple – they don't have as bad of losses, but they have um, maybe a couple better wins. Uh, We've been a little bit more consistent, which is hard to imagine. (laughs) Um, But – Seton Hall is essentially limited because if you think like, okay, Pascal and Booth are Villanova's story, Seton Hall's story is Powell. Yes. One guy. Totally. Right? They are, they, yeah, they live and die with Powell. Yeah. So, fun team to watch. Willard's an animal on the sidelines. Oh, God. He's horrible. He's absolutely horrible. I kind of like Kevin Willard, but I think I have the same complaint with Willard as I do with Wojciechowski. I think they're too emotional on the sidelines, and their team goes up and down too much (laughs) emotionally. And I think it hurts them. I think it ends up hurting them. Whereas Jay Wright could get angry, but Jay is actually much more emotionally. He used to be worse at this. He's much more emotionally steady throughout the game, and the team feeds off that and remains calm in difficult circumstances. I wonder if Willard has control as a locker room this year. I feel like it's a constant thing with the Seton Hall teams. They're just like... Yeah, they're looking there's, there's, real good in January, yeah. and then there's some locker room issues. And then somebody punches a Villanova guy in the face, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. So, look, they're both tough games. We could go 0-2 this week. Any any result wouldn't shock me this week. 0-2, 2-0, 1-1. I personally predict a 2-0 week. I think we're going to squeak out of Butler, and I think we're going to win in Seton Hall. And then I think we're going to wind up, yeah, we might wind up like top like 15, like all of a sudden at the end of this week. If we can get those two wins, yeah, that'll be really good. And we could wind up around 15. That'd be nice. Which if, is crazy to think about. If we get two wins this week, we're then 7-0 and in the Big East. Yeah, if we get these two wins this week, let's go 7-0 and in the Big East. We are then clearly in the driver's seat. Yes, absolutely. Right. So either way, I think you can start to 
to think about getting the one or a two seed in the Big East tournament this year. But yeah, we're um, we're looking good, and this is gonna be a tough week. This will be an early litmus test to see how February might go. Yeah, for sure. Um, continue to watch out for the minutes allocations, and oh, I think we're God. I think we're done. I don't think we have anything else to really discuss. I think that's probably that's probably pretty good. Should yeah. we spend a few more minutes on uh, the corner bar in Kingston, <laughs> New York? <laughs> no, no. I think I think our <laughs> listeners are probably like, why the fuck did you talk about? Oh that my God. Um, all right, no, I think that's it for right now. So should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with a podcast. It might be a day late. We're still trying to figure out the schedule because I'm going to be down, as I said, at the Seton mm. Hall game on Sunday. The question Might is, we'll be late. a dollar short, too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to make a great dad someday. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. It's all good. Yeah. You're like the Joe Cremo of podcasters. Ooh. And with that, <laughs> let's wrap up. <laughs> that's brutal. Thanks for listening to The Full 40 brought to you by Nova Insider. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.